0: This programme is about multimodality in different kinds of texts. Multimodality means the use of different forms of communication or modes such as words, images, layout and sound in a single text. So an example would be a website where we find pictures alongside words and possibly videos and audio files as well or a page in an illustrated book or a film where obviously we've lots of different sounds accompanying the visuals. All these texts and actually probably all texts, are multimodal. I'm going to show you some of the ways in which different modes of communication can be used to create meanings in multimodal texts. We're surrounded by multimodal texts in all aspects of our lives. The study of these different textual elements, what they mean on their own, what they mean in combination, and sometimes how they clash with each other and seem to mean different things entirely, is called multimodal analysis. So we'll be looking at how we make sense of these texts, how they're put together, how we engage with them and finally I'll show you some tools that you can use yourself for analysing them. As teachers, whether in informal contexts or in educational settings, you all use multimodal texts but perhaps you've never really thought about them in this light before. This programme will help you to identify and reflect upon the multimodal texts that you and your students use and produce and how you can use multimodality with your students to interpret and design learning resources including digital tools. Here's a page from a new version of a very old fairy tale. It's called Hansel and Gretel. Don't worry if you're not familiar with this particular fairy tale. If you just read the words, there's nothing particularly remarkable about it. It's a well-trodden path into the story, and the forest, by the two hapless children, one of whom will eventually end up as almost witch dinner, unless fate or his sister dramatically intervenes. So far, so normal. But here's the facing page. Pause the podcast here and study the image. Can you spot any hints at the narrative to come that the illustrator is making? This is a very different text to the Darwin example. There's no obvious top-left entry point and no clear reading path through it. If you're anything like me, your eye was probably drawn somewhere to the centre of the image first. The mode of image here, used as it is without any words, has different affordances and constraints. The reader has to infer what's going on from the visual information alone, and visual design guides the reader. For example, in this image, the woman's gaze is central on the page and is directed downwards towards the children she's standing over. The focus of her gaze draws an imaginary line that directs the reader's attention to the main activity in the image, the children sleeping. Imaginary lines that show the direction of gaze or action are how processes are represented in two-dimensional images, and are referred to as vectors. Unlike the Darwin text we just studied, there are no words on this page, so the reader has to infer what is going on from the visual information alone, and there's plenty of information available to us. You could say quite legitimately that the picture shows us the same thing as the words on the facing page. You could. A woman leaning over the still-sleeping children, telling them to get out of bed. Except, of course, the picture is doing so much more than that. In terms of design, then, what is the author, or illustrator, of course, conveying to us? And how is this achieved? You could point to any or all of the following. The use of colour. There's a lot of black here, and it's used to link the pictorial elements. It creates equivalences in our mind. The vectors that show the processes or narrative of the action, the woman's gaze, and the strong vertical lines that make up the shape of the wardrobe and replicate the shape of a book, and the diagonal lines which make a series of witches' hats. The placing of elements higher and lower down the page, the woman's position, higher than, and looking down on, the children, reflects the very real power differential in the story. Adults have power over children, but evil also has power over good, at least for now. The placing of elements on the left and the right. Often we find what we call given information on the left and new information on the right, just as we do in sentences. I'll say more about this later. Here, a homely dressing gown appears on the left and a pair of women's red party shoes on the right. Perhaps a hint of the glamour that the seemingly cosy mother seeks? In the reflection in the mirror itself, the shadow of the witch is on the left and the stepmother is on the right. My interpretation may not be the same as yours. You may disagree, you may see something else entirely, because different readers interpret all texts in slightly different ways. But that's part of the fun of children's picture books like this. We all see it differently. Children too may see different things to adults, and may see something else again if they return to the book another day, as they often do. What I see is a carefully constructed, although not immediately obvious, sense of foreboding in this image. It's done by showing us very cleverly, right at the beginning of the story, that the children's stepmother is a witch. And I don't remember that being clear to me in other versions I used to read, and certainly not right at the beginning of the story. I don't think I need to spell this out, but I can see at least four witches' hats and a lot of dark colours and shapes repeated to reinforce it. And there's something about that wardrobe and the mirror. So not only is the picture doing a different job to the words and doing it in a different way, It's actually telling part of the story. It's providing us with meaning, with information that the words are not. It's a narrative element, and if we ignore it, or relegate this picture to the realms of pretty illustration, we miss out on a lot of information we're going to need, and which has been provided to us by the author or illustrator. In the case of this book, they're the same person, but of course it's not necessarily so. And it's true to say that the children who encounter these kinds of multimodal texts may produce their own in turn.